and welcome to The Pink Owl, a very impromptu, gorilla-style pink owl. My name is Henry Kathman, and joining me is the lovely cinephile herself, Emma Corey. Yeah. You know, you know, isn't it crazy now how, like, all the movies these days are, like, Marvel movies and, like, toy properties, and there's no original uh, cinema anymore? I mean, those things aren't even really art. I mean, I can't imagine anyone who would try to spend any time trying to dissect and analyze and better understand the media landscape that surrounds doll-centric toy properties. Yeah, cinema is dead. If only there was a movie about a doll written by a Oscar nominated or Os- she didn't win the Oscar, right? No, she won. No, she won Oscars. She won for directing. No, wait, no. No, no, oh, geez. I'm pretty sure she, she uh, lost the, the directing Oscar. That's right, that's right. But maybe, but maybe if there was a movie about a blonde doll that could win more awards, it could very well happen. It could happen. To do such a thing would have to require a introduction that would have to evoke both the old and the new taking the classical traditions of what is considered establishment auteur-driven cinema and bringing it into the present modern-day landscape. Yeah, the, the Barbie teaser was nice, I thought. So, yeah, the Barbie teaser. So, yeah, this is going to be a little shorty. Yeah, Henry is, is at the airport right now and a layover, and I am sitting in my apartment, so... All excitement, all along. Oh, it's going to be great. Also, the fact that it is only a two-minute trailer, it would be a little bit ludicrous to try and record over an hour's worth of stuff. No, this is just going to be a little, a little quick discussion, because um, we had heard that the teaser had come out, and I just, I just saw Avatar last night, and it was not at my screening. I was very disappointed. Oh, that is very disappointing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, it's like, what are we, what's even the point? Yeah, yeah, then? Big Jim, he let me down. But yes, um, you know, I don't know how. How do you feel about uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey homages in film? I gotta say, as someone who did not watch 2001: A Space Odyssey until many of the parodies had been like delivered to me through pop cultural osmosis, it's interesting to actually sit down and watch the movie. And I feel like, in terms of 2001 parodies. Most of them, they kind of, like, begin and end with the monkeys, and then they toss up the bone, and some other, like, silly thing happens. Say, of course the most iconic use of this was in the uh, 2006 uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, where uh, they show on TV that the, the chocolate bar has replaced the big thing, and then Johnny Depp plucks it out with his greasy hands... And that was probably his greasy, weird rubber gloved hands. Weird rubber gloved hands, and then as a kid, you watch it and you're like, "I don't understand." What's why the, the deal with these monkeys? Are there? I was gonna honestly say that that was one of the more unenjoyable parodies of 2001 that I've seen. I do up. like the conceit of the teaser because it is, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's like a bunch of little girls with like baby dolls, and they're all like, you know, dish. Cheveled and disarray, and then giant Tanya Harding appears, uh, style in, in the way of the original Barbie doll, like the black and white swimsuit, the ponytail. If you know anything about Barbie history, you know that 
Yeah, it was actually kind of like a big deal at the time that there was a toy for girls that was like a doll that was a woman, you know, not like a baby to take care of. And how it's like kind of like the evolving attitudes of the time where like so much of like aspirational stuff for young girls is like, you know, falling into the motherhood role. And then you get Barbie come in and she's like a career woman. She does everything. You know, she's not a mom. Yeah. So it's, I don't know, it is, it was a little bit kind of revolutionary in that way so i get i get what they're going for yeah i honestly kind of dug that as a direction as someone who has like studied some of the history of barbie dolls and its creation and there's a lot of interesting stuff that went into that creation and the history of dolls in general and toys in general i feel like is something that is underappreciated even though it is such a large sociological force within childhood development but I, I agree. I think that the idea of framing Barbie as an evolution to this staple of childhood mm-hmm. is a real interesting way to present this idea of the Barbie movie, where for the longest time, Barbie was kind of the butt of the joke for so many people. I've considered Barbie like this kind of social pariah. For some legit reasons and for some kind of dumb reasons, there have been times when like Barbie was considered this force of like regressive ideas, especially towards feminism. But the fact that they frame Barbie in this way, this independent, liberated woman in a time that predated some of the uh, second wave feminist movement. I don't know. I think there is a conversation to be had about the ways that like, there is a somewhat, I'm going to use this term very loosely, radical edge to it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, as radical as you can be for a toy that still, for the longest time, upheld some pretty traditional views on feminine. But there have been plenty of like, press photos and leaked set pics of this movie that have been already circulating a lot online. And, you know, however this movie turns out, it cannot be denied. Margot Robbie does seem to be putting her whole pussy into putting Barbie to the screen. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I do. And the costume design, I think, from Whitley Blake looks really, like, good. Like, they're really kind of capturing that sort of, like, pop kind of, like over-exaggerated, like, color kind of palette that you see in a lot of Barbie properties. I think they got that pretty spot on. Because, you know, after the main part of the trailer, we do get some brief shots of the movie, which I assume are from, like, the beginning of the movie. Because, like, from what I've heard of the plot of this movie, it's like she, like, lives in, like, Barbie world, and then she, like, ends up going into, like, the real world, like, that kind of situation. And, like, when you see Barbie world, it's all just, like, play sets but like big sized you know and everyone's kind of wearing these kind of neon colors we get to see ken very briefly we see like uh yep we see kenbo some shots of some other characters and that's about it for the teaser well in terms of that shot of barbie world with ryan gosling as ken and also was he the one that was doing the whole grease lightning routine i think that might have been simu Liu. Oh, yeah, Simulia, a man who seems to determined to make himself the Twitter main character of the day uh, every couple of weeks. Well, I don't know. We'll have to see how that ends up going. Because when it comes to this cast, there are a lot of people that I am looking and seeing. Because now that the trailer's out, they're actually like disclosing who some of the other cast members for this flick are going to be. Because joining uh-huh. Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie 
as Barbie and Ken, we're also going to be getting Will Ferrell and Michael Sarah in this. It's almost kind of giving like a Lego movie vibes, you know? Yeah. In terms of directions to take this movie, I think the Lego movie, I don't think we are truly going to realize the impact the Lego movie has had on cinema for a while, but this definitely feels like a project, like, based off of this, where Mattel was like, ooh, we want to do what Lego did. We want a movie like yeah. that. It'd be, yeah, be kind of like a self-referential examination of their brand and an, like, entertaining movie form. And that's kind of looking like where this movie's going like, to kind of be going. It's kind of like self-examining on their part, but of course still going to end up confirming because, you know, it's still uh, was licensed by Mattel for them to make this movie. So, yeah, I mean, we still like yeah. don't really have the plot of this movie, so I'm sure that will come down the line. You say you mentioned Michael Sarah. I have no idea who he could play, so I'm just going to assume from the announcement that we got uh, Michael Sarah as Bibble confirmed. Oh my gosh. Is what I'm hearing. So. Perhaps. I don't know. Because... <laughs> There are a lot of other people that are... He could pull it off. He could do it. I feel like he could. I'm imagining they might trot him out when Barbie slash Ken enter the real world and, like, there's some stuff that conflict that comes with that but i do also have to say that uh some of the other i don't have anything against her but i gotta say from a historical standpoint i'm a little bit skeptical uh kate mckinnon is gonna be also joining the cast which I have, I have no disrespect to Kate McKinnon. She's pretty great on SNL when she wasn't doing Hillary Clinton impressions. And I feel like Kate McKinnon makes sense, you know? I do notice it's, like, mostly, like, comedic actors they've been casting this in this movie. So I'm kind of wondering, like, you know, what kind of energy Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling are going to be bringing here. I mean, both Margot Robbie and... And Gosling do have a lot of history with, like, comedic kind of writing. So I do have to point out one other person that's been added to the cast list. Emerald Fennel, the writer for Killing Eve, as well as Bad Cinderella. Oh, wait, wait. The writer for Killing Eve wrote Bad Cinderella? Yeah, she collaborated with old Lord Andy on that oh, musical. Old Andy? Yep. I guess it's, it's all, everything's all connected. Yep, yep. She's more known for her acting than her writing. I don't know. The fact that she made that god-awful Cinderella musical with Lord Andy, I honestly don't hold too much of Bad Cinderella against Emerald. Like, I feel like, because the biggest problem with Bad Cinderella was its music and stuff and that kind of is more at the foot of the old Andy there. But with this, something that I'm also going to be interested in seeing is the cinematography by Rodrigo Tritio. He was the guy who did Wolf of Wall Street, Argo, Brokeback Mountain, Babel, and most recently, a number of Taylor Swift music videos and The Irishman. And one thing I do have to note with this trailer this thing does have a really good look to it, because even in the uh, 2001 parody, the fact that people have like lined up shots of the original Kubrick movie and this like teaser, I think that shows like that kind of craftsmanship that's at play there. It's pretty spot on. Because it's one thing to like just put a bunch of monkeys in front of the monolith, but the fact that they put so much time into like recreating so many of like those same shots. I'm very interested in seeing, because I'll be surprised if they 
actually include any of those 2001 shots of the actual film. I assume this is all just trailer stuff, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they did, but if not, I'll be a direction. But yeah, that's about the main thoughts that I have on trailer i don't know if there's any any other thoughts that you have emma yeah i mean you know i'm looking forward to seeing uh more footage from the movie get more of a sense of what it's going to be like and you know i'll be popping down there opening night to check it out so we'll just have to see oh, how you it better goes. believe we are going over tonight and we are sure. going to be giving you those fresh reactions once okay. this movie ends up dropping uh in 2023 because we've been fixating on this movie it was first announced in like what 2019 oh uh, yeah, it's been it's been cooking for a while. Yeah, I think it's gonna have to do it for us. So <laughs> thank you all for uh, listening to the Pink Bow, this little more informal Lucy episode. But yeah, we got some stuff that's gonna be cooking up in 2023. But we we wanted to end things off this year with a little little taste of things to come. But until then, normally this is the part of the episode where I joke about plugging your Twitter, but, uh... Heh. You know what? As the ship sinks down, I I am fine at the moment for uh, continuing to play in the string band, so, you know, I can d- go some dignity, but yeah, uh, I don't know, the future is unclear. One thing you can always depend on is that you can depend on the Pink Isle to deliver the mm-hmm. solemn divine word of Deep Bibble. And if you want to hear more updates about that, you could, for the time being, uh, follow us on Twitter at PinkOwlPod. Shoot us an email at PinkOwlPod at gmail.com. And I think I'm going to be cooking up a Tumblr blog, to a dedicated Tumblr blog, for us to keep our Pink Owl posting in a place. Let us know what you think about that, listener. And uh, I don't know about you, Emma. I don't know if I'm going to have it in me to try and figure out Mastodon or Hive. At this point, I feel like all these like alternative social media sites people are telling out, they all sound fake to me. So, if you want to enable our Bibble posting, consider giving us a rating on your podcast listener of choice. And that's going to about do it for us. No, Emma, I know what we need to do. We need to make our own social media platform called Bibble, but there isn't an L at the end. Oh, yeah, I, I'm loving it. So, until next time, uh, <laughs> Thank you all for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.